Um, yep. Like a little kid giving a valentine to a girl yes. and then running home. <laughs> It is getting longer. I know. You may have to sh- nip that in the butt a little bit. I don't bit. think so. Getting carried away. Mystery Maniacs is a comedy recap podcast dedicated to British mystery TV. Each week we dig into an episode of the show including the murders, the mayhem, the loonies, and everything else we love. This week we're covering Poirot Season 6 Episode 1, Hercule Poirot's Christmas. It's anybody but his Christmas. Poor guy. Yes. He really doesn't get a Christmas. I'm Mark. I'm Sarah. And uh, this is a spoiler podcast, so you should have watched the episode already. We're going to ruin it. We're even going to tell you what that sound is. Yeah, it's not what it actually is anyway. Uh, If you let your kids fight over diamonds on the veldt, they can certainly listen to this podcast. (laughs) Those guys just like scratch at dirt and hope to find a diamond. It seems like a very ineffective way of mining. Well, mostly it's exploitation of people. (laughs) It's just the two of them, though. Uh, yeah, sort of. <laughs> yeah. But before we dive in to Poirot. Yes. We got a few things to talk about. Okay. First of all, you people are lovely. Well, yeah, we knew that. Why well, do we know that even now? more so. I don't know, even know if she's a listener, but somebody posted on the Reddit group about having a very bad, terrible day. On the Midsummer Reddit. Yep. Yeah. And. And it was a no good, awful, terrible, bad day. And got nothing but love. That's and, awesome. And support back. Reddit Listen. can be kind of hit or miss sometimes, yep. depending on, I don't know, how nasty people are or how they misinterpret what you say. I opened a whole can of worms by showing a picture of an old cast iron enameled pot the other day. So, you know, you never or know. Or it can be like super quiet. Like the Jonathan Creek group is like dead quiet. <laughs> it's just crickets but over wow, there. But <laughs> wow, they upvote our, our video, our audio. So That poster posted about a really bad day. And everybody on the Midsummer subreddit was like so supportive and kind. And that's why we like Midsummer so much. It's because that's the kind of people who watch it. Yep. And so we just wanted to say once again, you people are lovely. Now we would like to say, you people are horrible. <laughs> We announced that we wanted to crowdsource the holiday song this year. And um, speaking of crickets, you people have not stepped up. No. You know? Nope. I mean, maybe you're trying to tell us that you don't want to hear us sing, which, okay, I guess. It kind of hurts my feelings. I've been taking singing lessons almost a year. You have, every week. Yep. One person has sent us a chorus from a well-known Christmas song that has been parodied to talk about a mystery. One person. Jackie, you are the maniac of the week. send us emails. Yes. I have a number of social media accounts. I cannot keep them all. Don't send it to us on Instagram or somewhere else. Send it to us via email on mysterymaniacspodcast at gmail.com. That's where you send it. With a a subject line that says like holiday song or lyrics or Christmas song or something. If you send it somewhere else, please just resend it via email. Please send us lyrics. It makes my life so much easier. It's crazy busy with the new midsummers coming out and we're barely keeping up. And we really need your help. The next two weeks include (laughs) a comic book convention, two episodes, two minis, the return of uh, Midsummer Maniacs. Mm -hmm. Uh, Plus, you know, we have to work in there. Our children are doing exams. It's just crazy town. Yeah. So 
participate. We know you guys are funny. Yeah. We know you're creative. Yes. Send us some lyrics. We want to sing them. In addition to some wonderful lyrics, we're also super busy because there's so much other content coming out right now. Mm-hmm. And Sarah has some recommendations. Yes. Welcome to Sarah's Recommendation Corner for this week. <laughs> Because I nom, 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 all the media all the time. Yes. If, if people get killed in it, I'm like, I'm all about that. Let me watch it, listen to it, I read it. I think people think that we're total media junkies, and we watch maybe two hour, two or three hours of television a day. And most At of that's most. hockey right now. Yeah, most of it's hockey right now. Uh, By the way, the Leafs 15, 5, and 5. Just saying. Yay. So this week... A little TV to recommend. On Amazon Prime, the Three Pines mysteries have come out. Yep. These are based on the Louise Penny books. They're set in Quebec. The books are amazing. That's Inspector Gamache. And uh, Alfred Molina is playing Gamache in this new series. Yep. We watched the first two episodes, the parts one and two of Whiteout, which is based on the second book called A Fatal Grace. And it was great. I think... First of all, it was the most Canadian thing without being the most Canadian thing ever. The murder happens during a curling match. Yes. It's very well done. They got the character of... If Gamache isn't right, the whole thing's moot. No, and he's thing, right. Yep. And they got the old crazy poet, Ruth Zardo, exactly right. Her and her duck. She's, she's excellent. Yeah. So if you've read the books, you will like it. It's on Prime. Go watch it. The, the other thing that we did notice also is excellent portrayal of Indigenous Canadians. Yeah. Fantastic. Respectful, portrayal. realistic. All. Real people, not all stereotypes. super well done. Real well, really well done. Yep. yep. And the mystery is super good. The nastiest person in the village gets killed. The one that you don't like and that everybody can do without. She's so nasty. She's so nasty. Um, my second TV recommendation is Whitstable Pearl. Season two is out now, and that's on BritBox. Who's not nasty. No. I love Pearl. Yeah. She's fantastic. She's great. Yep. Carrie Godleman. They're really good. We've, we've watched three. Two. 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 All the ones that were available. Yes, we've watched. we watched two. Um, if you like season one, you'll like season two. And we haven't watched Slow Horses yet. No, we've but not. The new episodes of both Gamache and Whitstable Pearl and Midsummer are yeah. almost upon Yes. <laughs> and then the third TV thing I'll, I will recommend was kind of a surprise to us. We watched the first couple seasons of McDonald and Dodds. That's the mystery set in Bath. Yep. And it's also on BritBox. And for some reason, we kind of forgot to watch the rest of season three. Yeah. We watched the first one and then didn't watch the other ones. So we caught up and season three, episode three of McDonald and Dodds may be the best episode of that show. Yep. And that show gets better. It gets better. Yeah. And it's still a great concept and a great show. And it's fun. Yeah. It's light. It's light. But that one has season three, episode three has one of the best plots. Yep. Very uh, that good I've plot. seen in that show. Yep. It kept me stumped for quite a while. And it's really interesting. Yep. It's fantastic. So that's my TV recommendations for this week. And then I've got a couple of podcast recommendations. Um, the first one is on BBC Sounds, and it's a new podcast series called Dead Competitive. And it is hosted by Carrie Godleman, who oh, does Whistable Pearl. Whistable Pearl. Uh, and it's about a dog who is poisoned at Crufts, the big... A British dog show. Now, this is a fictionalized podcast. No, no, no. No, it's a real story. Oh, it's a real story. It really happened. Oh, wow. Yeah. 
I thought it was just no. a fictionalized story. No, it's real. It's true crime with dogs? Yes. Wow. And Carrie Godleman is hilarious. She keeps it light, but she's serious. You know, like, I she's think- not making fun of the fact that a dog died. This is serious stuff. I bet stuff. she has a good voice for radio. And she has a murder board. Of course she does. With stuff on it and ribbons and everything that she, she talks should. about. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. She's, she's like, I've, I've been on enough mystery shows. I should know how to do this, yep. you know? Um, but it's just really fun. Well, and it's, good. I mean, fun in, in that it's interesting, but it's she does keep it light. To listen to. Absolutely. Yep. My second recommendation is a show that's been out for a while. Uh, and if you like Midsummer and you like Poirot and you like British mysteries, you like the British eccentric kind of thing. Yep. Um, it's a podcast called The English Eccentric, and it's hosted by a guy named E.O. Higgins. Yeah, I've listened to a couple of these. They're only about 20 minutes long. Yeah. They come out once a week, and they are awesome. It should be British weirdos. Yes. <laughs> it should be. It's called. about a real historical figure that was super eccentric and strange, yep. and he does a great job of profiling them. They're really fun to listen to. I highly recommend Excellent. And then the third podcast I have to recommend is more along the kind of paranormal bent, but also historical. It's called One Strange Thing. Okay. And it's hosted by Laura Norton. And what she does is she goes back into historical newspapers and finds stories from local small newspapers about something weird that happened. Oh, that's super interesting. And explains it. I've been listening to it for a long time, Um, but it's like... And all of that is kind of normal. And, and I mean, it's weird, but it's kind of normal, except for one strange thing. And then yep. she explains the one strange thing about the story and what happened. Yeah. Um, but they're all true and, and from oh, lo- small good. local newspapers. They're that really fun. Cool. So that's Dead Competitive on BBC Sounds. I think it will be out on other podcast players soon. I don't yep. know if it's there yet. But BBC Sounds is free, and you can listen to most of the content from anywhere in the world. And then the English Eccentric, which is everywhere uh, that you want to listen to it, and One Strange Thing, which is also available all over the place. So just to recap, we are insanely busy. You need to provide us some lyrics. (laughs) Please help. (laughs) Midsummer Maniacs is on the verge of returning. Yes. Are you ready to talk about Poirot? UK broadcast date, the 1st of January, 1995. This is a New Year's Day kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Directed by Edward Bennett and written by Clive Exton, who's written a bazillion of these things. Yes. So. And here... Turn on the garometer. I put this knife on the garometer. Yes. But it's kind of obvious, isn't it? Yeah. Because Simeon Lee gets his throat slit with yep. a knife. The Spanish woman gets bonked, bonked on the head. Yeah. But it's it's not shown at all. And she's not killed. No. So it doesn't Though count. she broke her clavicle. That's her collarbone, right? Yeah. That sounds painful. Yeah. It's she one would of those be in things, a lot more pain than It's hard she to is. fix, I would think. Yes. Yeah, but it is uh, it is knife, but there's not a lot of blood. When we see Simeon Lee at the morgue, it's just like a line on his throat. Yeah. It's the cleanest cut I've ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> From a knife that was hanging on a wall that was probably super dull. <laughs> it's a decorative knife. It's a decorative. There's a lot of decorations to talk about. Oh, my episode. gosh. There's so much. There's so much. But first, we have to go back in time to 1896. 1896 in South Africa in the Veldt, which is all filmed completely indoors. Oh, well, yeah. 
it's on a, a stage set, yeah. right? Like on a sound stage yep. set. They brought in a whole bunch of dirt. Yep. And uh, these two guys get to dig at it. Yep. <laughs> It'll take me four days to get to Pretoria. So I did some looking, and they're in the wrong spot. They should have went to Johannesburg, not Pretoria, oh, based on where they are. A four-day horse ride from Pretoria, there's no diamond mines? No, there would have been just... Uh, Johannesburg's closer. Oh, I see. So from where they are, so that it, it would have been even if they weren't going to end up in Johannesburg, yeah. you would go to Johannesburg and take the train. I'm sure to Pretoria. Oh, I see. So the the, the horse ride would have been yeah, shorter. I know more about the geography of South Africa than I ever wanted to know. <laughs> well, you know, Simeon Lee is a jerk. Yes. He was probably a jerk as a baby. Yes. He was probably a toddler who like threw things at you. you now, know? <laughs> hold on. He doesn't become a jerk at an old age. He's a jerk from the beginning. He is horrific. I'm not challenging that. Yeah. But the first thing he tells you is I am horrific. Right. Okay. So if you expect any different from him, you are lying to yourself. Yeah. He is not a nice person. No. But I, he does lie to Garrett, his mining partner he does lie to garrett and and kills him yeah okay (laughs) but i'm almost gonna say that the people who think they're good people in this episode Mm. are almost worse than simeon wow because simeon is horrific but he is like I loved it all. (laughs) I'm a bad guy and I'm not sorry. He owns every single little part of it. I cheated, I lied, I killed people. that's easy to do when you're rich and in charge of everybody. Granted, okay? But his son, especially the politician, is just horrific too Mm. and thinks he's a good person. Well, it's his eyebrows. Wow. He's being manipulated by his giant eyebrows. Does every MP have to have big bushy eyebrows like that? Is it a requirement? I think so. Like even the women MPs have big eyebrows now. (laughs) So this is always the episode that everybody starts with. Oh, this is the Port Weinstein one. Mm. So so Simeon gets shot by his partner after he stabs him. Mm -hmm. And he gets lost in the veldt. And gets rescued by Stella Dissector. Yeah, I think that's her name. <laughs> it's Dutch. Yeah. I don't think she's Dissector, but Dissector or something. I don't know. This actress does so well in this episode. Oh, she's very good. I think the person who plays the young Stella, I don't know if she's done anything else, but she is fantastic. You immediately believe that she is living on her own, independent, in the middle of the veldt, and has no problem with it. Yep. That she is strong enough to be doing that. And yet, at the same time, vulnerable and lonely. Yeah, because she falls yep. for Simeon, the uber jerk. Yep. Who sleeps with her and then leaves. Yes. Leaves her pregnant, takes his diamonds, runs away. Now, he he then ends up making all of his money off of more mining, right? Yes. But he never goes back there? No. I guess? No, he's too busy being Because I would think Stella lions. would be sort of like waiting for him. Yeah, I would think and that not she in a would good be way. looking for him. Yeah, yeah. So if he's got a mining company in Pretoria, she'd be there going, uh, is he here? Yeah. Is he here? Because uh, I need to talk to him. Yeah. Right now. I'm coming for him. Yep. Simeon lies to her and says he's mauled by lions. And you asked me, are there actually lions in South Africa? I did. Yes. Uh, They have one of the largest refuges right now 
of lions in Kruger National Park. Okay. It was a bad lie. I just didn't know how bad it was. No, no. So it's not so bad that there aren't even lions there. <laughs> that would be and really bad. I, I love how she just simply goes, yeah, I took the bullet out. <laughs> like, She's have, not having any of I it. I have no time for your bull crap. No, no. She teaches him some Afrikaner and then goes to bed with him and then she screams the next day. Send me on! Send me on! It's like Stella. Stella! Yeah. I'm like, he's... <laughs> <laughs> no, it's Simeon. Which always makes me think of monkeys. Yeah, I can see that. Why, why is that? Because monkeys are Simeon. Is it spelled the same way? No, it's no. spelled completely Okay, different. so I'm not... Pulling it out of the air anyway. Sarah, what day is it? It's December 21st. How would we know? It's 1936. How would we know? 40 years later. How would we know? Because we get to see the big calendar on the screen. It's pretty. I think they do a very nice design I like that they do that because Christmas Day is important. It's important that we know how close it is to the actual holiday and that all this is going on right at the holiday. Yep. So 1936 is Hitler has been chancellor of Germany for a few years and the beginning of the war is three years away. Yeah. So everybody knows that Germany is rearming. Yes. But hoping that nothing bad is going to happen. So this is a tense Christmas. Yeah. If you look at the headlines, people are on edge and just trying to make the best of it. I was more impressed with the beautiful Art Deco lettering. I have the to say, calendar. there's not a Poirot that I don't like, but this one holds a special place in my heart because of the relationship between Poirot and Jap. Yeah. I love the later seasons so much where they get along. Earlier when there's kind of antagonism between them, I just don't, I don't like it. But once they become sort of friends, especially when it's the three of them, Poirot, Jap, and Hastings, those yeah. are my favorite favorites but even if it's just the two of them i just love them together and i love that it's at the holiday and poor jap needs to be rescued and poirot does it and it's just it's one of my favorite episodes because of that oh we're going to talk about that yes i know (laughs) because i've done enough research on the west country because of (laughs) you're trying to figure out where jap was oh i know exactly where jap was of course you do because you're psycho about this stuff okay a couple of things from this scene uh this is where we get to know where the mine is yes because it's the zwartzland river mining company yes it's on the side of the car is in the far western side of uh, South Africa. Okay. And Sir Johannesburg kind of in the middle and Pretoria is on the far east side. So that's why I was saying. And it is deserty there because I also was like. Whoa. That's what the veldt's like. Yeah. It, it is. That like, all fits. Very dry grassland, deserty. Yep. Flat plain looking area, right? Poirot gets a prezi. So they're at the Jap. they're at Brown's dining rooms. Yes. And I really tried to find this place. No. And I could not find it. Chap says it's his last decent meal before he goes to Wales. Welsh people make decent food. Yeah, but maybe not Mrs. Jap's family. My number one note, the very beginning of this episode, right after boy, this is long. Because <laughs> this is a long episode. Yeah. Is do we get to meet Mrs. Jap here? Mrs. James Jap. Yeah. Jimmy Jap. Emily Emily. is her name. Yep. I think she's the one playing the piano. I think she's the one playing the piano. But yeah, Jap gives him a present and says, Think of me on Christmas morning when you open this, and then takes off like a bullet. Yep. (laughs) 
Like a little kid giving a valentine to a girl yes. and then running home. <laughs> but Poirot's going to go home and he's going to uh, enjoy his Christmas. But before that, we have Simeon and his giant snake. Wow. I mean, the whole house is full of taxidermy, which you kind of expect yep. since he spent time in Africa. That's kind of the trope. But in his room, which is more than a bedroom, right? He's got a fireplace and tables yep. and a desk and it's his sitting room and his bedroom. Next to his desk is some kind of constrictor, like a boa, yep. like a 20 foot long snake that has been taxidermied. To, to be rearing up. So it's coiled on the ground and then standing up and is probably as tall as a human being. And looking right into your eyes. It is. is horrific. There's taxid- no way I could sleep in that room. No, no. Looking at that. We got a picture of it. We'll put it in the notes. Yep. There's no way I could see I could sleep in that bed looking at that thing with the light of the window behind it. Uh-uh. No. I'd walk into it, go in the bathroom in the middle of the night. And scream every time. Every single time. (laughs) It's terrifying. And he receives the original diamonds from the mine, which are like, I like that they're, they're uncut here. You know, they have to be. Yeah. If they were cut, it wouldn't work. No. But every time he takes them out of the little case, I'm just waiting for him to pop them in his mouth. Yeah. (laughs) You know, like, because he picks it up and he kind of looks at it in front of his face and I'm just thinking, just eat it. Yeah. <laughs> just eat it. And you he know you want to eat it. Simeon eat it. is the prototypical old, angry, dirty man character who is completely addicted to nostalgia. Yeah. Yeah. He's living in the past. Yeah. But he has no filters because he doesn't have to. No. Because everybody relies on him. Everybody needs him, but he doesn't need any of them. No. So. Again. They're all money grubbers and he knows it. Yep. Except Lydia. Yeah. Well, we'll get to Lydia, the nicest person in this episode. Mm-hmm. So Poirot's making dinner all by himself. He sets his table. He's ready to eat, but he puts his hand delicately on the rad. And it's cold. It's cold. So and he's making, he's made a roasted duck breast. Yep. And he's putting all the seasonings on it and setting out his table and he's got his wine and everything else. If you had an evening to yourself where you needed to make a meal for yourself and you thought, I'm going to treat myself, I'm going to cook something that I like and sit down and eat something special, what would it be? What well, would your Poirot meal be? I I have a favorite thing right now that I eat a lot of that I just love I love the way it tastes and I love making it, which is mojito chicken. So it's kind of a Mexican chicken and rice and vegetables dinner. The lime garlic yep. marinade. That's yep. what you would make for yourself. Yep. That would be your special. I'm the only one who likes this. So I'll make it for myself dinner. I just like it. It is good. Yep. I'm not saying it's not good, but you wouldn't, you wouldn't make something. I wouldn't put on a smoking jacket like the one he puts on. <laughs> he stops before he sits down to put it on. Well, he's cold. That's why he puts it on. That makes sense. And then he puts his hand on the rad because he's like, it's cold. It's a very good acting scene. And then there's that horrific stain on the water on the floor. And I'm like, hardwood, water. Ah." Somebody's going to have to clean that up. So my meal, because and I do this quite often because you travel a little bit. I hardly ever go anywhere. So I sometimes have to make a meal just for myself. And I think I'm not just going to eat soup out of a can or something. I'm going to treat myself. Mine is so less classy than his is. I always make salmon patties and cream peas and macaroni and cheese from a box. That is my, I don't care if nobody else likes it. That's what I'm going to eat. 
it's canned salmon yeah. with eggs and crushed saltine crackers made into patties and fried. Some You like what you like. Man. I like what I like. Nobody else likes it. Nobody in our Not, family likes no it. No one else in the family It is my that. nostalgic, my mom used to make this meal. And yeah. if I was in Poirot's situation, that's what I would be having. <laughs> and not with a little bit of port. I don't think I wouldn't go with salmon patties. <laughs> so Poirot's boiler's broken. Yes, it and is I'm I, the, Hercule Poirot, who speaks. And I'm like. And he answers the phone. <laughs> but I can't believe there's not a plumber who wants to make some overtime who would come and fix the Whitehaven Mansion's boiler on the 21st. It's it's yeah. it's only the 21st. It's not even Christmas Eve. Then out of nowhere, Simeon calls. What's, wait a minute. Poirot's the the manager of the ho- of the um, apartment complex. His name's like Mr. Dix or something, yes. isn't it? Yes. <laughs> he just double he triple uh, clicks the receiver, clicks the to, receiver get him. to get him. His the apartment manager must love him. <laughs> you can only imagine he gets calls from Miss Lemon all the time. Beautiful phone. Yeah, yeah. So Simeon calls and he says, "I need a I need a a detective to come to my house for Christmas." And Poirot's like, "No," and he's like, "Don't you say no. Hear me out." Do you have central heating? Yes. Okay, I'm on my way. I'll be there. <laughs> like, that's all it takes? Yep. I think I would take a bit more convincing. It's just, I love this episode, but I feel bad for Poirot the whole time he's in the house. Before he warms the his butt on the fire. I know. <laughs> he's, he's such a an outlier in the family. He's just yeah. an observer, but he's stuck there with them. Yeah. You know? And I just think it would feel so awkward. It would, but he's warm. Yeah, he's warm in his tush. And I, I, I love that um, uh, Harry and Pilar are making fun of him at the train station. Because yeah. they don't know he's we'll, coming we'll, with them. We'll get there. <laughs> so much to cover in this episode, including some wonderful three ship singing. Yes. I love that, Carol. You do? It makes no sense at all. Like, it's... It is out of time in so many ways. Like, I saw three ships come sailing. Yeah, because Christ appears in one of the ships at the end of stanza three or something. Oh. Yeah, it's it's a weird British... Jesus on a boat! Yep, Jesus on a boat. The dark lady arrives. And everybody immediately goes, oh, it's her. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's no mystery here. She's going to the bull. Poirot's on GWR. And he's drinking some brown Windsor soup. The Great Western Railway. Yep. I tried so hard to find a menu from the 1930s first class dining car of the Great Western Railway. I looked in the British National Archives. I looked on really niche railway enthusiast websites. I looked all over the place and I was unable to find that menu. Brown Windsor soup is not listed on the menu shown, but we do not see the second side. I love that the waiter just says, well, it's soup and it's it's brown. Now I, it's from Windsor. I looked at a number of brown Windsor soup recipes. It's kind of generic brothy stuff, right? It's it kind is. Of, it's almost a joke. Well, no, it was a favorite of Queen Victoria. And like a lot of it is like, you can have this kind of meat or this kind of meat or this kind of meat in it, but it's all optional. I'm like, So there's no one standard. Yeah, there's no one standard. I did find one source that said that people had looked for brown Windsor soup on those menus and never found it. Yeah. But I wanted to know what else would have been there. Because the the dinners are always way fancier than you expect them to be on a train. Yeah. It's amazing what they were able to make on a train. Yeah, absolutely. 
who knows if it was good. And now you have to pay like $3 for a bottle of fizzy water when you're on a train. We're introduced to, to Pilar, and Pilar and Harry. And Harry. The wayward son. Ha I think he's the middle son, don't you? And I, I wish, okay, this episode could be subtitled, Men are scum and women kind of mostly are. Okay, especially, Harry is scum. Especially if you cross them. Okay. He is gross when he thinks Pilar is his niece and worse when he knows she's not. Yeah. And he also says, there are guys after me for money. Surprise. Yeah. He's black. But, you know, we shouldn't be surprised. They were raised by Simeon. Yes. It's not like, I mean, apparently their mother was a fine woman, but she married him, so she wasn't perfect. Yeah. Why would she have married him? He's awful. Yeah, the the death of the daughter and the death of the mother, I wish they'd went into it more. Just a little. Yeah. Just a couple of facts would yeah. have been nice. Yep. They don't know I'm coming. That's so British cozy murder. Yeah. Surprise, I'm here for the holiday. Surprise returning son or and or daughter it's, it's and only a family of this kind of wealth can accommodate that if somebody showed up at our house who we hadn't seen for a while and was like surprise i'm here for christmas we'd be like go find a hotel room yeah <laughs> see you later there's lots of hotels we haven't planned for town. you goodbye yes. <laughs> you should have let us know well but this <laughs> The giant pile. I know, that's know, what so. I mean. Only a family of this wealth and, si yeah. and a house this size can accommodate surprise visitors. Though, he's not really a surprise. Simeon knows he's coming. Yes. So then we're introduced to George and Magdalena. Mm-hmm. Uh, and though Magdalena's in her stockings and underwear, I'm more interested in what she's reading. <laughs> Yeah. Country Life number 2173, which has all ads on the front of it, oh, which yeah. is what magazines were at a long, a long tradition of just having ads on the front of magazines. I'm not surprised. Yeah. Now they just put all ads on the inside. Yes. There's like five pages of content. So Schweppes is on the front of it. Ginger Ale. Waring and Gillow, who are furnishing experts, they're interior designers. Mm -hmm. Oxygen Air, Oxygen Tent Rental. Oh, so, so you if can, you got the TB, you can rent an Oxygen Tent? You can tent? rent an Oxygen Tent for your parties, it says. What? Yep. And then Paripa Enamel, which I'm assuming is more interior design stuff. Wait a minute. Why would you want an Oxygen Tent for a party? I don't know. I tried to find Oxygen Tents in the 30s. I tried to find more about this, and I couldn't find anything. I know that you can get a little bit slap happy if you breathe too much straight oxygen, but it the, after that, it goes downhill real fast. Yes. So I don't. it's not like laughing gas parties. And Magdalena, though, is a reprehensible human being. Oh, she's just as much of a scam artist as everybody else in this family. George is a member of parliament and a representative, a uh, horrible human being who makes excuses for his father. Both of the sons do this, and it drives me insane. Because they can't accept that he's horrible and yeah. and say, he's horrible. If he was anyone else, I wouldn't have anything to do with him, but I have to. Not because I love him, but because I need his money. Yeah. I, He's an MP shit. who lives on an allowance from his dad. Yeah. Just, That's shameful. And again, these are almost worse people because Simeon is the first person to say, I'm horrible. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. They're pretending not to be horrible. Yeah. she. If, if anyone said to me, but certainly my wife said to me that this person makes me uncomfortable, well, we're just never going to see that person again. Yeah. Yeah. 
There's allowances for age and health. <laughs> I'm old. <laughs> yeah. I mean, unless they're, you know, they have Alzheimer's or another mental illness that might make them speak out of turn and say things that are surprising. That can make you uncomfortable, but you make allowances for it because they don't mean it. Simeon is is not out of his mind. Yes. He is absolutely aware of what he's doing. So if he makes Magdalena uncomfortable when no one else is around, he does it on purpose. I, he makes Lydia uncomfortable in front of her husband, oh, his son. Oh, It's just gross. He's gross. He's gross. And I'm just saying he's upfront about his grossness and they are not. <laughs> you know, you just said you were offended by people making excuses for him and you're defending his grossness. Well, he does an unpardonable sin to me. And it may not seem as an unpardonable sin to you. The man wears slippers and socks and that's... He's old, his feet are cold. I don't care. Slippers and socks. Is, that's like people who sleep in socks. Ugh. Some people like that. Ugh. Ugh. So Simeon's family, he's got, he has four kids. Yes. George, the yep. MP. Harry, the returning freeloader. Alfred, the one who lives with him, yep. who I think is the youngest son. Yes. And then Jennifer, who fits somewhere in there. We don't know where she fits in the line, but she's been dead for a year. Went to Spain. Yes. And married some man in Spain. Yes. And had a daughter who was... Pilar. Pilar. Yeah. Who has never been back to Gorston Hall. Yes. They've never met her, right? But now that Jennifer's dead, her daughter is coming back for the holiday. That's that's all the kids. And I would say that Alfred and his wife Lydia are not bad people. No, Alfred is, he's ineffectual and annoying and wimpy, but he's not horrible. He's lived with Simeon his whole life. Yeah. How could he be anything yeah, else? I agree. I'm if he stood write up a strongly him, worded letter. If he stood up to him, he wouldn't be there anymore. No, he wouldn't. He wouldn't. He like, would have kicked him out. Like Harry Or is, he would have left. Like, at least Harry's like, I'm out of here. Mm. This is stupid. Yeah. But give me some money before I go. Oh, yeah. Harry's all about the money. <laughs> and then, and we've then got Simeon, the... like, totally trolls them by, like, all my children will be here. Yeah. <laughs> hint, hint. All of them. Get it? All of them. Yeah. Even Harry. Get yeah. it? Then we have Tresillian, who's the butler. Yep. And Harbury, who is like the underbutler. He's like he, he the footman. A, he drives a, the car. Man of all stuff. jobs, basically. Yeah. Then there are all the unnamed women who live in the house, who work in the house. All the yes. maids, cooks, all those people that we get to see a little bit, but don't get names. So horrible Pilar and Harry make fun of Poirot. Mm-hmm. At the station, which I like. He's got enough wax in his mustache for Madame Tussauds. Pilar is not Pilar. She's another person mm-hmm. who's pretending to be Pilar. And she's just doing this on a lark, mm-hmm. which I kind of understand why she's so flighty at certain times. But Harry is just mean. Yeah. And he says the thing that as a person who's a foreigner here in the United States, people have said to me, mm-hmm. which is, Oh, you two people are foreign, so you should get along. Yeah. And it is so, like, it is a British thing and an American thing to think that, well, you're just part of the rest of the world. (laughs) One of those less important countries. So you're not as important, so you should just get along. Though I've had men say to me, oh, you and this other woman who you've never met and have nothing in common with, you girls can hang out. Yes. Because you're women, so... 
obviously. Oh, the you have tons in common. PM of New Zealand and uh, Finland just totally called out a uh, reporter because of that. Yeah. And as they should. Simeon calls all the kids together, pretends to be on the phone with his lawyer. I'm going to make a new will. Oh, <laughs> so if, if, if nobody kills me before I make the new will. Oh, no, don't worry. Don't, come by on Boxing Day. That gives them four days to take me out. It's, it'll be fine. And then just hangs up. It's, he's, not, he's not called anybody. Yeah. And then just berates them. Says they're namby-pamby weaklings, idiots. Says they're nincompoops. Where does nincompoop come from? We think uh, it's probably first appearances in the 17th century, okay? Believed to be a word coming from the Latin legal term non compass mentis. Oh. Which translates to insane or mentally incompetent. Yeah, not mentally competent. Yeah. Okay. That that makes nincompoop a little bit less offensive because the poop part, I always thought it was something much more <laughs> offensive than that. No. No. <laughs> if you're just non-compass mentis, and, and it is easier to say than that, I get it. I love how when he talks to Poirot the first time, it's all in third person. <laughs> yeah, because Poirot talks about himself in third person. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just more Simeon, like, but trolling everybody. Poirot does not hold back. No. Like, they all hate me. He says, I'm not surprised. Yeah. Like, I've just met you, and I can see why they hate you. Because when he calls them all to his room... Poirot goes along and like stands over to the back and yeah. just watches this awful man talk to his family, some who he hasn't seen in forever or has never met. And he's just awful from the get go. Namby Pamby weaklings. Where's yeah. Namby Pamby oh. come from? Man, you did all Pamby. the slang research this time. Namby Pamby is a term for an affected, weak, and maudlin person, right? Right. It originates. From a poem from 1725, oh my which is called Namby Pamby by Harry Carey. Henry Carey. Sorry. I was going to say, not Harry Carey. No, Henry Carey. <laughs> Carey wrote this poem as a satire of Ambrose Phillips. So it is a call out. Yeah. And it's published in a, in a number of his poems. It is uh, like totally a send up. It's totally a rap battle call out. <laughs> To him. In the 1700s. Yeah, like, I call on all the gods of Olympus and and then basically eviscerates this guy. Did the other poet do it back? No, but that's... But the other poet, Ambrose Phillips, mm. people started calling him Namby Pamby. Oh, poetry battles yeah. of the 1700s. It's, it's, it's 18th century poetry battles, man. <laughs> wow. Well, and... That's about the same time that Yankee Doodle Dandy came out and stuff like that. I think it was yep. an acceptable way to basically slander somebody in a yep. styled way Absolutely. that you could get away with. Huh. So that's where Namby Pamby comes from, which is basically the equivalent of like pansy, right? Yeah. Which is offensive too. Franco was on the right side. No, he wasn't. <laughs> oh my God. He's just, I mean... He's, it's just a, a classic example of an MP who doesn't actually run. Right? Yep. He just kind of gets chosen. Yep. And gets reelected constantly. And it just it represents a writing that is probably really small and rural. Yep. But he gets mm. to feel super important and his politics are 
utterly disconnected from reality. And he married a child because she's going to steal all his money. She's beautiful, 20 years younger than him. And we think he's her third marriage or at least the third name she's going by. Yeah. She's a scam artist. Yep. She is absolutely beautiful. She's played by Andre Bernard. And to this day, she is that pretty. Yeah. She is the perfect... Long eyelash, blonde, blue-eyed woman who, like any man, would go, how can I help you? What do you need? I'm still amazed that they're actually done this production after doing her hair (laughs) when she's in the nightgown. Because A, getting into that nightgown would be difficult. And B, that hair is just like crazy. That's her hair down. That's what it would look like when she was sleeping. Yeah, exactly. And it's better than any hairdo I've ever had. Then the killer shows up. Yes. Superintendent Sudgeon. Sudgeon. Does he look 40 to you? Yeah. No, no. He looks about 28. (laughs) I think a a big mustache adds 10 years. (laughs) No. Well, how can you tell him from from Simeon they look exactly alike? (laughs) We'll get there. (laughs) He's collecting for the police orphanage. Why are police running orphanages? (laughs) Um, No, they they raise money for charities. They fund the charity. But he's not. Simeon has called him and said, be here at this time. Yeah. Mostly, I think, because he just wants to troll his family. Like, everything he does is to mess with them. I just noticed in my notes that every time I refer to Poirot, I refer to him in the third person with name, verb. Poirot eats. Poirot (laughs) rushes. It's as if Poirot took the notes. Yeah. (laughs) So he shows up, goes up to Simeon's rooms, and then leaves pretty quickly. And then everybody has the worst dinner ever. Oh, my gosh. We get to see Simeon's portrait, which is the most impressive prop of this entire episode. Yes. It is incredible. It's it's super good painting. It looks like him, but younger. It's painted in the right style, and it's so huge. And I I don't know anything about the actor that played Simeon, but... He obviously worked in the industry for years and years and years. I bet you he has a long IMDb page. Oh, Verm, his name is Vermin Dopchev. Yeah. And yes, he does. He's been in everything. And so, like we've noticed before, people who are in everything, especially in England, are like the nicest people in oh, the world. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, I'm sure that he just absolutely loved it. I hope they gave it to him after yeah. the production was over. Yeah. I hope that so would too. be such a good conversation piece to have in your house. Absolutely. <laughs> Look, it's me as a time traveler. <laughs> I also noticed, especially at this point, um, so this episode is in four by three, even though it's been updated to the new HD version of Poirot's. Mm-hmm. They didn't make it 16 by nine. Yeah, it's, Sorry, it's still square. Sorry, we're in Finland here. Greenland. Greenland. <laughs> it feels so claustrophobic, yeah. that four by three. Because it's narrow. Yeah, it's super narrow. So at the end of the incredibly awkward dinner, yes, the ladies go off to the lounge. Well, ladies, let's go off and do lady things. That's what they did. Yes. The ladies went to the lounge. Yep. And Harry and Alfred stay at the table with their their port or whatever. And the biggest wheel of cheese I have ever seen. giant wheel of cheese. It's like 10 inches across. Poirot eats cheese. And apparently you eat it by just digging a knife right into the middle of it. Right into the middle of it. It's so excessive. You don't slice it. No. You know, don't do anything that might 
preserve the the rest of the cheese. Just nope. dig into it from the right top. Right in the middle. And then crack a whole bunch of nuts. Yeah. You see how many shells Harry has on his plate? <laughs> He's walnut crazy. He's like a squirrel over there. <laughs> He's got big cheese. <laughs> Those guys are going to come get my money. He's not actually chewing them. He's just yeah. shoving them in his face <laughs> he's, for later. He's, he's just going to keep them. winter. <laughs> I have some cheese in this side and some nuts in that side, you know. Like, I just cannot believe how big that wheel of cheese is. And they just dig into the middle Maybe of it. Maybe they should use that to try to open the door instead of bench battering ram. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because at 32 minutes and 40 seconds, the highlight of the episode. Of the first half of the episode, yep. I will say. I'm not going to give it highlight of the episode. But at 3240, we get the sound. <laughs> the sound that is better than Barnaby's rally car. Yep. Okay. <laughs> it better is, than fart car. It is indescribable. You cannot imitate it. It is a pig dying. <laughs> and so it's easy to get caught up thinking this is a whoopee cushion. It is not mm-hmm. a whoopee cushion. This is an actual sort of prank item. That it's was similar sold in construction in to a whoopee cushion. Yep. But a whoopee cushion has a nozzle on the end that is flappy. Un, it's unrolled. Yes. Like if you unrolled a balloon completely and then pressed it flat. So yes. so it's like lips, like a Right. But this thing, the dying pig is not made like that. Not made like that. No, no, no. no. It has a really like an oval body to it. That's round. It's not flat. And it has a longer neck that is thicker than the rest of the balloon. Yep. And then it has a peg that you put in the end of it. So you don't tie it in a knot or hold it. You put a peg in it. So when you, when you use it, the way you're supposed to use it is you put the peg in it and then you squeeze it and it shoots the peg out and then it makes that horrible sound. <laughs> Parents must have hated these oh things. Oh my gosh, this is in the long line of toys that you buy other children. Can you imagine if oh your kid God. had one of these and kept blowing it up and setting it off? Oh. Why in the world do they think Simeon could make that sound? <laughs> like he's a jerk, but he's not an animal. It is awful it's a horrific sound and they make it look like it's heard throughout this giant house super loud through doors and even outside in the snow you can hear it and all of the furniture falling did you notice the bowl of oranges yep why why (laughs) he gets a little artistic in his pile of furniture yes it reminds me of like a bad video game where you have to like stack and balance stuff and it can't fall over you know and then Put a string around it. Tie one end of that to a peg on a dead, on a dying pig. You know, it's so Rube Goldberg almost. Yeah. If it had gone wrong, it would have been a real mystery. Okay, Simeon's dead and all the furniture has been piled up. <laughs> Ghosts. It's a poltergeist, right? <laughs> yep. It has to be a poltergeist. If he pulled the string and it just slipped out and nothing happened. The balloon goes at the window. Yeah. The balloon flies around, <laughs> goes into the fire, burns, <laughs> and then there's just a pile of furniture and a dead guy. It would be so weird. So weird. It'd probably be a bigger mystery. <laughs> the whole thing is, okay, first of all, he's not 40. Second of all, how on earth does he, like, that is the long con when you become super indebted. Intendant. <laughs> 
of the police of the in police the same area the where same you're... Area. Like, that is the longest con ever. He and his mother are really dedicated. They're really dedicated. But most of all, if he had just left at this point and picked up mom and went to London for Christmas, nobody would know anything. No, no. Nope. But not only does he pull this incredible locked room murder, right? Yeah. But he also purposefully gets Poirot there. Yeah. As an expert witness, have you met Poirot? <laughs> He's, He's so, going to find your ass he out. He is so confident yeah. that he thinks if Poirot is there and doesn't say he did it, that he's scot-free. Which is the most simian thing that he is It like. is a very egotistical I thing to do. I love that Poirot goes, no, you are like your father. Yeah. That is, that is my favorite part of the episode because- he, they think they're on the moral high ground. Mm-hmm. They're not. They're not. No at all. one. Lydia is maybe on the moral high ground. All she does is make little gardens. Yes, and say, "Wouldn't it be nice if we shared the money?" Yeah, that's what she says. And she runs the meeting after the real. <laughs> yes, like she is present, and I'm sure she's on the flower committee at the church. Oh yeah, I'm sure Absolutely. she is. So we've talked about the dead pig. Can I talk to you about other novelty toys? Okay, the the novelty toy is purchased in the store in town by the guy who sells novelties. He runs a general store, but and he's he has most, a novelty He's corner. most excited by his he's novelty that guy, corner. He's that guy, and we have one in the family. Got to tell you, one of our children is like this, who are always like, we should do pranks. Yes. And nobody should ever do pranks. They're not funny. <laughs> They're, They're never funny. funny. They're never funny as... As a uh, recipient of bad pranks, I, I don't like They may them. be funny to the person who pulls it for a split second, and then it's not funny but anymore. But every family has one. The guy who's like, oh, whoopee cushions. Yeah. They're like, no. Yeah. I got you a box of rocks for Christmas, and I wrapped it in seven rolls of duct tape. Yeah. yeah. Isn't that funny? No. You're awesome. Okay, 30s pranks. So what I did- Novelties. Was I went through a bunch of 1930-something- novelty catalogs so this is so this begins in the 30s and magazines and then the the heyday of this is the x-ray specs in 70s comics yes it goes all the way to that yeah right but this is the beginning where there are catalogs aimed just at boys. Yep. All of the item descriptions start out, here it is, boys, or boys, look at this. Yep. Like all of them start out that way. <laughs> okay, so you have a quiz for me? Yes. So some of these items are real novelties, Okay. prank novelties that I found in these catalogs, and some of them are some that I made up. Oh, okay. And it's up to you to decide which okay. are real and which are fake. Okay, I pre- how many are there? There are 11. There are 11. So uh, I'm going over under. I'm going to get six of these right. Okay. I think I'll get six, at least six of these right between six and eight. (laughs) That's what I'm going for. Between 60 and 80%. Yep. Uh, That's quite the range. You saw my transcript from my undergrad. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Are you ready? Yep. The first item is a snake flashlight. You press the button to turn it on and a snake flies out instead. Okay, so this obviously is playing on the can of nuts that you open up and a snake flies out of, which is like hardcore one of these prank people things. I don't believe this is true. It's real. I'm 0 for 1, folks. (laughs) The second one is an item called horrible nose blower. 
It's a nose trumpet for under your handkerchief. I would think that's real. That is real. Okay, one for one. So you'd, you'd hide it. You'd pretend you're going to blow your nose. Yeah, and, then, and instead you'd blow into this thing and it would make a horrible sound yeah. and make people think that that's what it sounded like when you sneezed. Why would you do any of these? Okay, one for two. The ladies love it, Mark. Oh, the ladies. Yes. The ladies. Yes. The little lady. This item is called kissing movies. It's a picture of two people on a little rubber sheet. When you stretch it, they appear to kiss. Okay, wouldn't that make them go further apart? I didn't invent this thing. Okay, but it's purely for purient reasons, and for that reason, I'm going to say it's real, because men do silly things. It is real. Though the description says that is... Yeah, it is proper and unlikely to offend anyone. Oh, okay. So I'm two for three. (laughs) Yes. All right. A fright wig with a string that makes part of it stick up when you pretend to be scared. I'm going to go that's real. It is real. Okay. Three (laughs) for four. Wow. I'm halfway to my six to eight. And I, I had to dig past all of the so racist stuff in these catalogs. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. I can only... Only imagine. How about a book of pre-typed love letters that you just sign and send? Oh, I know such things did exist. I think at one point they were called, um, what's his name? With the big nose. Cyrano? Cyrano letters. I'm going to go real. No, that's fake. That's fake? Yeah. All the ones I could find were actually pranky letters. They start. They started out looking like romantic, and then uh, the end of it, there was a twist that was supposed to go, ha ha. <laughs> <laughs> Again, Not funny. No, not funny. So where am I at? Uh, You've got three right and two wrong. Three of five. A magic slingshot guaranteed to always hit the bullseye. That's not real because they're not called slingshots. They're called catapults. Uh, Well, it is real. Oh. (laughs) Apparently, you could shoot it even facing the opposite direction. Much like the six-foot-long nuclear sub that you could order from (laughs) comic books, I don't think that's real. But it's a real ad. It's a real product. It's a real product. Whether it actually did what it says, I don't know. X-ray specs, man. So you got that one wrong. Yep. Now you're three for three. Three for three. A miniature one-shot pistol tie pin. This has all sorts of goodness. Like this is gun. This is miniature. This is tie pin. I'm going to go real. No, it's fake. Oh. But I was amazed at how many actual guns there are in these oh, catalogs. Absolutely. Tons of guns. Spud guns. I remember no, seeing. No, 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 no. I mean pistols. Yes. Like actual guns. I remember comic books advertising BB and pellet guns too. You got that one wrong. Yeah. Three of four. Three of seven. Yeah. I'm under 50% now. Uh Exploding nuts. There's a paper cap inside (laughs) that when you crack it, it blows up. From Harry. From Harry. I'm going to go that's fake. It is fake. Okay. Four for eight. Rubber nuts. They're nuts made of rubber. Those are real. Those are real. Five for nine. There were also rubber chocolates. Yep. And uh, something called surprise balls. (laughs) Surprise balls. <laughs> they were rubber and they had a face on it. And when you squeezed them, a tongue stuck out. Surprise balls. They called them surprise balls. <laughs> okay. A watch charm that looks like a telescope. When you look inside of it, you can either see the Lord's prayer or a dirty joke. That's absolutely true. No, it's fake. I made it up. They sell stuff. Like that. They sold the ones with the Lord's prayer, but not where you could opt for a dirty joke instead. Oh, okay. I made that up. Okay. Okay. You are one... Two, three, four, five. Of nine. Wrong. One, 
two, three, four, five. Right. Oh, th- um, this is the last one. Five You're tied. Five. Okay. This is it. The voice changer. Put it in your mouth and your voice will sound deeper and more manly. No, they didn't come up with those till later. It's true. Oh! Now, did it work? No, no I'm sure no. it didn't. But it was supposed to be indistinguishable. <laughs> I think it was like a like a swazzle. Yeah, you know, like the like punch punches swazzle. Yeah, but supposed to make your voice sound deep. I guess because I don't think Mr. Punch's voice would no. be sexy. It's a boy's ball. Kiss me. That's the way you do it. Whatever. Yeah. Surprise balls. Rubber nuts. You have that and your fright wig on. Woo woo. <laughs> <laughs> we have the name of the episode. <laughs> or you try, to, you, you try your horrible nose blower with that thing in your mouth and you end up swallowing it instead. <laughs> or shooting it out your nose somehow. I don't know. All right. So we've had a murder. Now we're on to the second half of the episode where we get to break the door down. Where we go once again to Wales. Mm-hmm. Okay. So... Simeon's dead. They come in. The superintendent shows up and goes, I forgot my book. There's been a murder. Nothing should be touched. Though everybody's trampling over yeah. everything. Pilar finds the little plug in the plastic ring. And, and then Poirot takes off. You must be Mr. Poirot. He's off to rescue Jap. Yes. The best scene of the entire episode as far as I'm concerned. But that row houses <laughs> oh, yeah. on a matte painting. Yeah. It's clearly a matte painting. <laughs> he... Jap knows exactly what he's in for. And he says, if they sing, I might lose it or something like that. And what are they doing? Singing, like with glee. And the poor man is just sitting there. The best part. (laughs) And Poirot knows, don't go to the front door. Go to the back door, (laughs) rescue him. I'm surprised Jap doesn't climb out the window (laughs) just in his shirt sleeves. How does he know where Jap is? I don't know. Like, okay, I looked it up. Where they are roughly is maybe a 20-minute car ride from Wales. So that's completely possible. Though Wales is a big country. Yeah, but he says he's right across the border. Says he's right across the border. I'm going to say Poirot called Scotland Yard, who would have known exactly where Jap was over the holiday if he was a way got the address and went that's what i'm gonna say it was long before google that's all i'm saying but you know i think that's what happened my favorite is okay let's think about this rationally if we're assuming that the superintendent is a real cop mm-hmm. okay so he's a real cop guy dies mm-hmm. a stranger has come to spend christmas with him yeah <laughs> The family is all there. Oh my gosh, he's dead. The first thing about Poirot goes is, I'm leaving the country. But you have to remember, Sajjan knows exactly who Poirot is and wants Poirot there because he's a great detective. He does, but he doesn't know about Jap. And so Poirot just takes off. No, right no, no, away. because Sajjan is going to call Scotland Yard anyway. And Poirot says, I'm on it. Don't worry. A Scotland Yard detective is closer than you think. I'll go get him. All I'm saying is it would look a little (laughs) suspect. If Sajjan wasn't the murderer, I would agree. If he was just a village cop, I would agree. But he's By the way, I'm leaving the crime scene. And then how happy Jap is in the car. The car. He just, he looks like a little kid who's been rescued from his grandmother's boring house or something. He just, it's just the best. It's the best. I have a screenshot of him with that look on his face. He's he's so, Philip Jackson is just a really great actor anyway. But I love that. 
And I, I really think that Emily Jap is the one playing the piano. I do. Because the other woman is way too young to yep. be married to Jap. I agree. I've come to rescue we, you, Monami. We've returned <laughs> to the bowl, and the dark lady is playing solitaire. Yeah, in a circle. I've never seen that solitaire so game. So this is a game of solitaire entitled Clock Solitaire. That makes sense. So what you do is you set up... The piles of cards right. all face down, one in the middle, uh-huh. and then 12 around the edge. Okay. Okay. So you start ace in the one position, two in the two position, mm-hmm. three, all the way around queen jack, and king is in the center. Okay. And when you play, say you flip over the center card and it's a two, you put that face up on the two space and you pick up a, a face down card there and place it, right? Uh-huh. And at first I was like, well, every game of this wins. Yeah. Right? Because you're really just sorting cards. At this yeah. Point. But the, the key is, and this is a really great game of solitaire because I wish I would have been taught this as a child because you could teach a child this in five minutes, plus it teaches them their clock mm-hmm. as well. They have to do all of the outside ring before they get four kings in the middle. And most games are losers. So you pick a card that's face down from a spot, and it's a three. You put it face up on the, the, the stack that's in the three position. Underneath the face down card. And take another face down card from that stack and yeah. put it where it belongs. Yeah. And if you get a king from one of those stacks, you put it, it in the in middle. It goes in the middle. And the, the, the game is to try to get around the edge. It's a game of chance, yeah. of course. The, the, get the ones around the outside edge before you get four kings in the middle. Oh, so it's a race against yourself, basically. Yeah, it's a race against yourself. Gotcha. Now that I know that, that that's interesting. Because I was like, what is that game she's playing? I thought my grandmother knew every form of solitaire, and I've never seen that one. The next thing... And I'm surprised you didn't notice this, but I looked, I double-checked this. That is clearly not Simeon on that uh, gurney that's coming out of the building. Why not? Mostly because it's just feet. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) He's got kind of a beaky nose. I think that would be pretty signature. The blanket is maybe an inch and a half above the And then they just stuck some feet at the end. Stuck some feet at the end. It's clearly not a human being. So Sajin claims that Simeon told him the diamonds had already been stolen. Yeah. When he met with him at 845 or whenever he said to come. Stolen by a stranger or someone in the family. Well, George says it's a homicidal maniac and so do his eyebrows. It's a homicidal maniac. Of course it is because... He's a pilot. I, I deny, I resent that. I deny everything. I, that's all he does. Yep. But then they end up finding the case in George's wife's luggage and Magdalena's yes. luggage. Well, isn't that convenient? You know, the, the recreation of the crime in this episode is, is really useful because Sudgeon is up to stuff from the first time you see him to the last time you see him. Yeah. And you need to know all the stuff that he does for it to make sense. Yep. It is a most strange suicide. <laughs> like there's an actual discussion of it being a Like suicide. he slit his own throat and then just flailed around knocking furniture over? Yeah. Without getting blood everywhere. Yeah. What did you make about Tresillian explaining the telephone? So that's correct. It would happen like that in a lot of homes like this. He's in, they're in the butler's pantry, what, and what? there's a box on the wall, and he says that it lights up and makes a sound whenever somebody picks up the phone. Yep. Is that replacing the old bell system in houses so they could call the, the butler instead uh, of making be. a call out, yeah, too? Yeah, I think so. I think so. 
Also, this house only has one line, right? No, there's two. There's one in Simeon's room and there's one in a room downstairs oh, that George right. tries that's to right. use. But there's four spots on that box. And unlike uh, every other television show in the 80s, they get the call information right away, which they would have. Yeah. There would have been an operator somewhere yeah. who said, oh, yeah, I connected them to whatever. Because yeah. that's how you talk in England. Yes. In the 30s. <laughs> ah, Chief Inspector, you've been thinking again. I have warned you of this before. <laughs> I love that line. <laughs> Paro is like, oh, Jap, just be pretty. I'll figure it out. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Poro has his prezi and he thinks about Jap and goes, I need to go to town to get something. Because he's got his gloves. He's got to find a present for Jap. He should appreciate those gloves. As somebody who knits, yeah. gloves are really hard. Every one of those fingers is like knitting a tiny sock. Yes. And you, it takes five needles using all five at once to knit the finger. I it's ab- tough. I absolutely think he should have bought the Sherlock Holmes detective set, <laughs> I think so too. <laughs> so do you? So he goes back to buy the mustache, right? He doesn't buy it when he's buying the the cigars. No, but we it the camera lingers on the dying pig <laughs> as a sign of things to come. By the way, there is another pink balloon that exists in the village, and it's this one. See, look, see, look, look. look. There it is. It's there. When they question, they go to question Magdalena about the phone call. She immediately goes, "Ah." bullied like this and just runs out <laughs> like that's ever worked with a policeman anyone who raises their voice with me makes me so upset so i'm leaving goodbye and and magdalena was never charged for the murder that she committed like because she just threw a hissy and ran away anytime the police tried to talk to her she just went oh no <laughs> and ran out and they could never charge her it's amazing and then george is like oh my gosh you're bullying my wife okay they ask her a question very politely and you and your eyebrows need to calm down well too bad harry's worried about gripping the butt firmly he's so inappropriate yes He's very, when him and Pilar are playing. I think cool. she's expected to be like in her early twenties at most. Yeah, it, it doesn't matter. She's his niece. Yes, it's his sister's daughter. Yeah, that he's groping. Yeah, as far as he knows, that's who she is. I think my passport's in my in my luggage. What? Who doesn't know exactly where their passport is? <laughs> When you're traveling, you really should. Oh, so Jap does something weird here. When he first talks to her, he puts his finger out like... Like he's pointing to the side? Like he's pointing across his face. And he says, do you understand English? And I just thought it was such a weird choice. (laughs) Maybe his finger's broken or Um, I don't know. Maybe he's... Is he pointing at Poirot? Like, are you a foreigner like he is? (laughs) I'm being subtle here. That's what I'm asking. Foreign A over air (laughs) day. (laughs) There's another scene where there's a bunch of stuff going on with the Stones and Poirot, and they're talking about it. And Jap's just kind of in the background, but he's got his eyes really (laughs) wide open. He's super intense. I think Philip Jackson is just having fun. (laughs) He's just having fun. (laughs) I love it. Poirot explains the gardens that Lydia makes, and he just can't wrap his brain around it. Jap's like, what's the point of a miniature garden? You can't take a deck chair out and sit in it. But there aren't. I just imagine him putting one of them on the floor and just putting a chair over it and sitting on it. Ah, 
I'm sitting in the garden. <laughs> it makes it makes so much sense to me that Lydia makes those because though she is in this big house, she would love to be anywhere else. Yeah. Right. Her brain just wants to be free. And so she makes these tiny gardens that make her give her that kind of escape. Yeah. Of I would rather be in this place, this little place. Yeah. Especially a beach covered in giant boulders made of diamond. (laughs) That's the best beach ever. Best beach ever. Uh, We're off to drink Moscato at the bull. Where Harry walks up and goes, hey, let me be suspicious in everything I say. So, yes. He's so overt and non-smooth. But he's also perceptive of his father here. Like, he's like, yeah, dad just brought everybody together just he recognizes a shyster he is one right and poor poirot he's always so optimistic about what's on offer at a pub (laughs) a dry white wine he's like man cider here you go cider's good poirot you should try it he smells it and just sets it down people shout at me i can't remember anything at all (laughs) okay you know i've had students like that you can't give me an exam i can't i just can't handle it ah next comes the scene that I'm screaming at the television. <laughs> and it is the scene where Harry and Pilar are playing volleyball balloons beside the Christmas tree with lighted candles on it. Yeah. I will never understand how people manage to have actual fire okay. on a tree in their home. First and not of all. Everybody dies. When they read that in the script, why did they not just say health and safety is never going to allow this? Yeah. Because they are real candles on a real tree. Well, there's just somebody standing right off the side with a big extinguisher ready to go. Don't fall into the tree. Don't fall into the tree. Don't fall into the tree. Don't don't touch. Don't. Oh, my God. The blue. It is a health and safety nightmare. Were you surprised by Poirot going into Pilar's room while she's sleeping? Oh my gosh, I felt so uncomfortable by that. That's a wrong in scene. I don't think he would do that. No, I don't think so. Especially in his pajamas. Yeah. It's it's improper. And then she kind of, I realize she has a broken clavicle, Mm. but she's kind of moany. Well, she's just clearly not having a peaceful rest. Yeah. Because she's been attacked. Yes. And beaten with a curtain rod yeah or a mace ball on a stick i don't know what that thing is she's been victimized and he's kind of taking advantage of the fact that she's unconscious yeah to dig through her stuff yeah i don't think poirot would do that and also i think that he knows this already so and we've seen poirot do this where he lets you fall into the into the trap without being like I have in my notes. Creepy Poirot is creepy. Yeah, but he's also just determined to find her passport because if she's not who she she says she is, that's critical. Yes. And he suspects she's not because she wouldn't produce it before. She's also in different clothes than when she was beat up. And I was like, who took her clothes off? Well, they probably (laughs) called for a doctor. I would assume so. I love that even her pajamas are black. Yes. She's so gothy Spanish lady. Everybody, let's go to Pilar's room. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that weird, too? Which, which makes sense in they the can't sense leave her out. that she has a broken clavicle. Yeah. But then the next scene, they're like, everybody, let's go to the dark lady's room at the pub. 
and Pilar comes with yeah. them. Yeah, yeah. Like Lydia must have helped her quite a bit get dressed. Yeah. If you can't move your arm. Yeah. And that would be so painful. Oh my gosh. I think if you broke your clavicle now, they'd probably put pins in it. I love how Jap completely screws up every one of her names. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> now pen. Conchita. Well, you called her peel off. <laughs> I don't care if you edited that out. He called her peel off. Yep. When Poirot says to Pilar, tell them who you are. Yep. Harry's immediate response is, so I'm not your uncle anymore? <laughs> so huh? I can get Ooga. it on with Ooga. Like, back off, Letch. She's still got a broken clavicle. Yeah. She got attacked. Ugh. I, I think that, never mind the fact that she gets attacked by Superintendent Ninja. Because uh-huh. <laughs> where does he go? There's He's a big man. And he's not going to kill her with that thing. Nope. I mean, he'd have to knock her out and then basically just hit her over the head until her her head was pulp. Yeah. And that would have taken like a while. (laughs) It's not an effective way to take her out of the picture. And he wants to kill her. Yeah. He needs to kill her, right? Because he thinks she knows exactly who he is. And she picked up evidence that kind of puts the whole plot together. And, and this and, is but where he chooses she, a cudgel and, yeah. you know. And this is where she, like, she, right before she gets attacked, says, I don't want any money. Because no. this joke that she's done. Yeah. It's starting like, to get she's serious. A, she's a wedding crasher. Yeah. Right? Yeah. This wedding crash that she's done is now no longer funny. No. Somebody has died. Yeah. And... So because she has a conscience, she says, I don't want any of your money. And she's going to leave. Without admitting who she actually is, she's going to leave. But before she can do that, she gets attacked and then Poirot uncovers who she is. Yeah. But she was going to do the right thing. Wait a minute. She's not my niece. (laughs) I love that Poirot just says to George right to his face, you're stupid. Yeah. (laughs) Because he is. Even stupid people can be criminals. Yeah. You're just stupid. And you know George is a criminal. You know he's like ripping people off. I love how Poirot takes the moment in Pilar's room to basically say, you are all horrible Mm -hmm. people, but you didn't do it. But still, I'm going to use up 20 minutes telling you how horrible you are. Because though you may not have killed Simeon, you're all horrible. Especially you. You're stupid, Harry. Yeah. (laughs) You're stupid. And you didn't kill him, but you're still stupid. Every time they show that pile of furniture and the recreation of the crime, they focus on that bowl of oranges. Yes. Did did Simeon feed the oranges to his taxidermy or something? I can't imagine him sitting there peeling an orange. And then we get such an awesome scene when they're in the car and Poirot's got the gloves. Well, before that, though, we have the scene with the, the dark lady. At the- oh, yeah. Right. When he he puts his head on his mom's lap, it's just weird. Yeah, it that's very strange and it's all about revenge and I like Poirot does a good job of saying you're no better than he is. No. You're absolutely no better than he is. And as a parent, Stella is awful too cuz she's raised this child for this moment. She's yeah. turned him into a weapon, into a tool. For her own revenge. I mean, what Simeon did to her is bad, but she was an independent woman. Let it go. Yeah. Raise your son. Or kill him in a less elaborate way that makes your son go (laughs) to police school. Yeah. (laughs) Like, there are a million ways they could have killed Simeon that are less 
weird than this. And why did Simeon know? They could have just paid somebody. Yeah. But no. Okay. So you need to go to school and get good grades. So you can go to police college and do really well there. Yep. Then you in need another to country. work your way up the ladder in, in police. In this special area. In, but you can only work in this village. So do whatever you got to do to get a job there. And then get up the ladder until you're superintendent and you're in charge. Then ingratiate yourself to this guy who's an absolute asshole. Yeah. So that he will call you on this night so you can pile the furniture up after you slit his throat and then kill a pig. Yeah. They've been living for it all that time. It's such an elaborate thing to have done. When he could have snuck into the house and killed him and then left. Clearly, because he managed to sneak around and attack Pilar and get away with it. You know, he clearly could have. Or, you know, sabotaged his car, shoved his wheelchair down the stairs. I mean, there's all kinds of ways to take Simeon out. Yeah. But I think they thought about it for so long that they overplanned it. And this is our last chance to do it. Yeah, because he's going to die of old age and illness. And if we're going to kill him, we got to do it now. There's problems with motive there. (laughs) I still love the idea of him pulling that string and nothing happening. I love that. I love it. It's a, you know. With Simeon kind of getting up going, oh. My throat's sore. My throat's sore, but I'm I'm starting to feel better. (laughs) And that knife sure was dull that somebody put to it. Why is all my furniture piled up? Where are my oranges? My steak. And all my fertility statues. Oh, once you start to notice the fertility statues, they're everywhere. But then Simeon, you know, Simeon's recovering and he sees all the furniture piled up and he goes, I think I want an orange. And he takes one out and the whole thing falls on him. (laughs) (laughs) And he makes it sound like a dying pig. (laughs) (laughs) And they find him under a pile of furniture with an orange gripped in his claws. He hadn't gone for that orange. Yeah, why did he pile all of his furniture up first and then get an orange? Stupid old Simeon. So then they're in the car, yep. and Poirot's got the gloves, and Jap says, why don't you put them on now? I'll, I'll only wear them when I go to church. They're yep. so special. Yeah. Having knit things for people. Emily spent months knowing. And it would it would take me a good month to knit those yep. easy. And I tell you, if I gave them to somebody, you better put them on right now. Yeah. And you better be like, oh, they're wonderful. Yeah. They're like five sizes too big for Poirot. Easy. They'll be like flippy sausage they're fingers. Japan. <laughs> they're it, gloves are so hard. Yeah. And to size them for his tiny little hands yep. would be really hard. Harry and I are going to Paris. Ick! <laughs> Why? Don't go anywhere with him. <sighs> and that is Hercule Poirot's Christmas. Well, what I an love episode. It. I love Merry it. Merry Christmas. I'm here it's to so rescue you. It's so little Christmas, but it's not the incredibly depressing magician death of Christmas. No, no. Of Midsummer. No, so. but yeah, there's there's some happy there. I mean, Poirot and Jap are happy. Absolutely. To be honest, they did exactly what their favorite thing is over Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> they solved a murder and <laughs> told did. people they were stupid. Yep. <laughs> That's true. And Poirot got to have a warm butt the whole time. Oh, I'm going to warm my little butt here. (laughs) So you have 10 days, people, to send us some lyrics. Please send us some song lyrics. So this episode is being delivered to you on the 5th of December. You have 10 days. Send them to us by the 15th of December, please, so we can record it. We know that you're creative. You're out there. You'll come up with something awesome. Midsummer Maniacs returns with a mini on the 13th of December. 
by the way, there's a trailer for the Midsummers mm-hmm. that is fantastic mm-hmm. that ends with drag queens, which is just great. Wait. Black Trees Prophecy, the first mini that drops on the 13th. Then on the 19th of December, we will have our Christmas song and view and listeners' choice episodes. We'll have no episode, no new episode next week. Okay. Just the mini. Just the mini. Yeah. Then December 20th, another mini, 27th, another mini, and the 3rd of January, another mini. And sometime soon, we will announce a big sale on the merch store so you can grab some stuff for Christmas. Then in the month of January, we will cover all those episodes of Midsummer again as full Midsummer episodes. New Midsummer. And then in February, we're taking a break. (laughs) (laughs) Just a little one. Just a little one. Like a week or two. It's got to be two weeks. I'm going to be going crazy. But before then... Midsummer, Midsummer Maniacs returns. Dun dun dun! We've been gone since July. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Reddit, all the emails, and all that good stuff. If you're listening on YouTube, please like and subscribe. Send uh, those lyrics to to Mystery Maniacs Podcast at gmail.com. Yes, and uh, have a happy holiday already. Yeah. This is our the start of our really our holiday season lasts from October till January. You should be enjoying it yep. already. Yep, absolutely. All right. Bye maniacs. Bye maniacs. <laughs>